Father, we are grateful for your kind presence in our lives. We're grateful that you love us. Lord, how long We need you for every moment of our lives, every interaction. And so, Father, we would ask that you would infuse your word into our hearts, that you would give us understanding, that you would go beyond just what the sermon is, and that you would be lifted really, really high. Help us, oh God, to see you more beautifully and more powerfully in our lives. Help us to know you in deep and abiding ways. Speak to us right at the point of our needs. For we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Please, have a seat. So, so, I was moving into this new place. It was in Queens, which is like a part of my life that I, I try to hold quiet because I'm a Brooklyn boy. And I love you Queens people, but I'm a Brooklyn boy my whole life, so I can't say it too loud that I lived in Queens for three years. And I was moving into a new apartment, and I found myself a little bit overwhelmed. And what happened was that there were several people who loved me who came over and as we were moving into this apartment, the, the thing was is that we moved in and they didn't clean the apartment. Have you ever moved into an apartment when someone else before you who lived there didn't clean it and they lived there for like a really long time? Okay, very few of you have ever moved into a situation like that because usually the landlord cleans it out, it's part of the process, not so with the poor. So, um, so we moved in there and, I mean, we had to take out the stove and see stuff that was there for like three or four years. It was one of those days. It was like completely overwhelming. Well, as we were cleaning all that out, I was reflecting and looking at the people and just so grateful that they decided to take on this burden with me. Because it was a burden that maybe felt a little too much, as some things can tend to feel. I wonder if you've ever had an experience like that, where you've had something that you wanted to do, but that you felt overwhelmed in doing it. Most of us have experienced, if you're just a little bit older than 12, you probably experienced at least one moment in your life where this is too great for me, this is too difficult for me, this is too much for me. And if in ever in those moments you received help, someone to come walk alongside of you, someone to be with you during that difficult time, you know how precious that can be. Today, we're finishing up our series in John 17 called The Lord's Prayer. We're talking about unity and what that looks like in the local church. It's something that Jesus prayed about. And he prayed about it for you and for me. See, if we don't, if we don't experience the kind of unity that Jesus longs, desires, and prays for 
you and I will miss out on something precious. Because our church is not a Sunday service experience. Our church is a group of broken people, and only broken qualify. If you're perfect, don't come to this church. And so broken people who come together to honor, glorify, exalt, lift up the name of Jesus. And one of the most beautiful ways we do that is we come alongside one another. I can't tell you how beautiful it's been when I've heard um, of someone being in the hospital. And they go, you know, they come to me and they tell me, you know, Pastor, I was in the hospital and you didn't visit me. And I'm like, okay, right. And they go, but you know who did? And they name people who visited them. And I think to myself, that's the church. When we come together, when we love one another, when we sit alongside one another, and we're unified. That is the most attractive thing that an unbelieving world could ever see. A body of people who are not identical, who have different gifts and different personalities, but the common denominator is that they're unified, not because of anything that they've ever done, but they're unified in Christ. Have you ever seen a marriage like this? It's one of the most beautiful things you can see. She's spontaneous. He is by the book. Have you ever seen this? Right, right. Some of you can experience that, right? She's a spender. He's a saver, right? She's... Um, you know, uh, wants to be out, and he wants to stay home, right? And you can flip those, and it can be any other way, you know, it's, but it's always like that, right? You always marry your opposite person, right? And yet, in that, you could see beautiful unity. And, beautiful, and when you see that come together, where a husband says, you know, we haven't gone out, and dancing is not necessarily my thing, but I'm going to go because I know you enjoy it. And, and, and the wife says, you know, I know you just want quiet for the evening. I'll sit down with you and I'll watch that football game with you. Where she'll come alongside and there's this beautiful expression of unity, not because they love each other so much or because they're doing what each other likes, but because Christ, in Christ, they have unity. In Christ is their focus. And so out of their out of receiving love from Christ, they overflow that love to one another, and it looks an awful lot like unity. I want that for your family. I want that for your marriage. I want that for this church. So we're going to look at Christ's uh, uh, prayer, and we're going to look at verses 20 through 26. As is our tradition, we're going to stand as we read God's word, And we'll go through the text together. Would you read it with me in a nice, loud voice? One, two, three. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, 
that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved me as you have loved me. Sorry, Father, I love those you have given to me to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, through the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is God's word. Please have a seat. See, church, the key thing that we have to know today is that you and I, when it comes to the church, when it comes to anything, together, we're better. In other words, I really, really need you. And you really, really need me. We need each other, desperately. And without that, we do not have all that God wants for us. There are some of you right now who are struggling with an eating disorder, whether it's eating too much, or binging and purging, or uh, not eating enough, starving yourself. And you go, I want to stop, but I don't know how to stop. There's a brother and sister in this room, I'm sure, who's gone through the exact same thing. And you both can follow Christ and ask him to help you together. There's someone right now in this room who struggles with their sexuality, with how they view themselves. And I promise you, there's another person in this room who struggles with the same thing. And you can struggle together in Christ, helping one another. There's a person in this room right now who has beers in their refrigerator that they don't want to drink, but they're going to drink directly after this service. And listen, brothers, listen, sisters. There's another person who wants the same thing, but wants Jesus, and you both can love one another. Here's what I've discovered. As I've gone on in ministry, the partners that I've had in ministry, in the times that I've wanted to quit, they've like, come on, we can do this. Let's take on that hill. And they've encouraged me, and they've helped me go on. And the times, times that they've wanted to quit, I've been like, come on, we can do this. Let's do it together. And I've encouraged them. Jesus prays for this because it's the, one of the greatest gifts you could ever receive in life. And it's one of the greatest testimonies to an unbelieving world that Jesus is who he says he is. Haven't you seen, haven't you heard people who talk about um, not being a Christian have you ever heard that? Have you ever heard somebody say, I'll never be a Christian? Why? 
Any, anybody know why? They, they, it's disunity is what they point to. Here's how they say it. I don't want to go to church. Bunch of hypocrites. Because there's not unity in the body of Christ. There's not unity in belief. There's not unity with brothers and sisters. There's not unity in um, character. There's simply no unity. And so what we want to do is we want to be the body of Christ who's broken and messed up together as we pursue Jesus by his strength. Look at what Jesus prays. He says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. What's beautiful about this prayer is that Jesus prayed in a victorious way. Did you hear it? He goes, I don't just pray for them. I pray for those who will reach them. In other words, Jesus had hopes for me and you. He had, think about this. 2,000 years ago, Jesus said there are going to be some people who come from the Bronx, some people who come from Manhattan, some people who come from Brooklyn, some people who come from Queens. There are going to be some people who come from Staten Island. There are going to be some people who come, and they're going to gather together. I am praying for those people because they heard the message of Jesus Christ. This wonderful message, this message of salvation and transformation. May, you, may they also be in us. I'm sorry, go to the next, in verse 21. That all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us. And then here's the part. So do you understand the, the prayer so far? God, let them be in us. Let them be with one another as we are in one another. Why? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. You see, when you and I are unified, there's, there's a beauty to the world. The world sees a beautiful church and says, I want more of that. When you and I sacrifice for one another, when we love one another, when we love each other, even when it's not convenient, even when it's difficult, when you love each other like that, the world goes, I don't know about your Jesus, but I really, I really want to know more about your community. And in that, they find Christ. It's in our unity, in our love for one another. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. You know what the glory is that, they gave, that he gave us? It's, how can Jesus say, I have given them the glory that you gave me? Well, because what's the glory? The glory is the message. The message of Jesus Christ. The message that, listen to me, this is a great message. The message is that you could have OD'd on drugs four times over, come back to life, and Jesus' gospel is for you. 
That's the message. The message is, is that you could have done everything right in life, invested well, married well, raised your children well, and still feel there's something missing inside, and the gospel is for you. The message is, is that you could have everything together, and the gospel is for you. And you could be falling apart, and the gospel is for you. It's a glorious message. People say, people say, well, Christianity is so narrow. Actually, I don't know anything that is as wide as this because everybody comes in on the same boat. Everybody got broken, you come in on the same boat, on the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus. Fixed or got it together, you come in on the same boat. And it's this message that we get to proclaim, but we don't just proclaim it with words, we proclaim it with our unity, with our love for one another. With, with uh, no, no, no. When you cry, I want to taste salt in my mouth. That when your belly hurts, I want to bend over in pain. Because we're with one another. We love one another. We are unified. We don't look the same, and we try to project that. Even, even from the front, you have all sorts of different people up front, right? There's men, there's women, there's white, there's black, there's Latino. That whenever we proclaim, we are not the same. We're different. My laugh might be really loud and annoying to you. And, and you might have some annoying traits about, uh, for me. And yet we're unified in Christ. We love each other well because it's Christ who's our common ground. And we're better that way. Our marriages are better that way. Everything is better that way. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Do you see that? So that others might hear, so that they may be brought to complete <laughs> unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So what are some of our barriers to unity? Is, now, don't raise your hands. Listen to me. Do not raise your hands at the question I'm going to ask. Is there anyone in this church who just kind of gets under your skin or is difficult for you to deal with. Don't raise your hands. Just think it. Think it. And what's your knee-jerk response to them? What's your knee-jerk response to them? Your response is, oh, look, they're walking down that aisle. I think I'll walk down this one. Because unity. You see, we think that unity is an avoidance of argument, an avoidance of confrontation. And that is not, you know, and if we continue with unity in that way, we will never be the kind of joyful church that we're looking for. No. All of us have people, listen to me, all of us have people, even in this congregation, who annoy us or frustrate us or get under our skin. All of us do. And if you don't have anyone um, that frustrates you or annoys you or gets under your skin, 
it might be you frustrating people and getting under people's skin. Could be. I don't know. Maybe not. I don't know. But it could be. Or maybe you're not as involved. I don't know. But here's what I'm saying. All of us have that. And what looks more beautiful is when we recognize that we too, who are sinful and have done things to harm others, have been loved well. Because think about this for a second. Is there anybody in this church who has hurt your feelings? Think about this for a second. Here I am. Jesus tells me, Edwin, I want you to go in this direction. I go, no, no, no. I think I'll go in my own direction. You don't have the best... You don't have the best plan for my life. I have the best plan for my life. And so I hurt Jesus. How do I hurt Jesus? Well, it's my sin that nailed him to the cross. That's a little bit more than hurt feelings, isn't it? That's pierced hands. That's, that's blood flowing down his brow, <coughs> falling into his eyes. That's amazing. And how does Jesus respond to, my, to me? He loves me. He sacrifices for me. He takes on the burden. How, how should then that translate for us one another? How? What about, what about, have you, have you ever put your trust in another person and they just let you down? Boy, they just stabbed you in the back. Right? right. And so maybe you've experienced that even here in this church. For sure you've experienced that throughout life. Now, listen to me. Have you ever thought of that moment where one of Jesus' best friends gives him a kiss on the cheek and says, how are you? Only to identify him to the men that he's betraying him to. Now, let me ask you this question. Do you think you're any better than that man? Have you ever betrayed Jesus? Of course you have. So have I. And what is Jesus' response to our betrayal? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. You see, this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is not like, like oh man, this is so wonderful. This is, no, no, no. Listen. This is where we come to Christ and we go, I don't have it in me. And we rest in him and we ask him to remind us of all he's forgiven us so that we could extend forgiveness to others. How does that look like in your life? How does that play out in this church? We have to practice it. We have to be willing to be vulnerable. Now, everyone here will think of that one circumstance where it's impossible. No, no, no. And you have to understand, to forgive somebody, for instance, if somebody, I mean, you've seen this before, where if somebody, um, God forbid, molests one of my children, right? That person was invited to my house and they did terrible things. They were trusted. They stabbed me in the back. They betrayed me. Well, that person... Um, they don't get invited to my house, for sure. But that doesn't stop me from having to forgive them. That doesn't stop me from having to love them. It's why when you ever you see those court stories about a man whose daughter has just been raped and murdered, and then 
and they put this on the news. You'll hear about this on the news because even the world is blown away by this. When they come up to the mic and they, you know, it's time for sentencing and they go to the mic and they say, listen, you did great harm. You, you changed our lives forever. She was a beautiful girl. She, you, know, you did unbelievable harm. But I want you to know, I forgive you. I don't hold any malice against you. I don't know of any situation more difficult than that. But I can tell you that that comes from a man whose overflow is being forgiven in Christ. It comes from an overflow of being in Jesus. Because as Jesus has forgiven, we overflow that forgiveness. It's an overflow. Now watch this. You might be annoyed that people's phones are going off. But what does unity and love look like in a moment like that? It's like, oh man, that's happened to me. And you know what? If it's never happened to me, I know at times when I've not acted appropriately in a particular situation, you know, how can I serve love? How can I invite that brother in? Man, it's wonderful. When we have a, a person here and the baby starts acting up and we can just go, let me love you and serve you. How can I love you and serve you? And, because no mom comes in here going, you know what I want to do? I want to see if I, want, if I can blow up the spot up in here. No mom does that. I'm gonna, no mom ever takes her baby and goes, wait, he's getting to a good point. Cry. Like that never happens, right? That never happens. But what if we were a kind of church who just said, man, she needs help. She needs love. What, were, what if we were the kind of church that the people in this community saw and say, I'm not sure I believe in everything that you say, but there is a love and a unity here that I've never seen anywhere else. That's the kind of church Jesus is praying for. That's the kind of church he's saying, Aha, look, this is what I'm begging the Father for you to be like. What would that look like in your marriage? What would that look like in this community? I don't know. I don't know. So how do we do this? How do we, how do we flex our, yeah, it's perfect timing, right? It's like absolute timing. We can practice this. How do we do it? We practice it right now. This moment. It's perfect. And no, and it is. I love, man, the Shinnicks are the best people in the world. I love you guys. Yeah, I love them. John is teaching me how to plumb and everything. Like I'm learning plumbing from John. He's awesome. So now watch this. What, how does that look like? Well, in this moment, it looks like how can we serve the Shinnicks? In, in maybe in a, in a few moments, watch this. How can we do this? Do you know that after the service, the service is not really ended. We have an extension to the service where we eat a meal together. You know what that meal is meant to do? Harbor unity. Harbor closeness. Harbor, you know what you could do? You can go, and you can have a meal. And so you know, the soups that they make back there are not... Anybody, anybody taste the soups? It's like, anybody go for seconds? Yeah, yeah, those things are delicious, right? I got like a big old soup bowl that they bring up to my office because they already know I'm a glutton. It's terrible. And so, so no, but here's the point. Here's the point. It harbors unity. What if, what if that wasn't just a place to cop and go? 
What if, what if that was a place to sit for a while? What if you decided this right here, you see this? This is my table. And whoever comes in, I'm going to be the pastor of this table. And whoever comes in, I'm going to find out about them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to learn about them. I'm going to love on them. I'm going to serve them. What if that became you? That's one of the ways we can practice unity. That's one of the ways we could fulfill Jesus' prayer. What's another way? Another way is that if you find yourself in the, say, for instance, the 12-step ministry, or the women's ministry, or the men's ministry, or the children's ministry, or the whatever ministry, right? The, and you hear, say for instance, you just heard Justin. And he said, hey guys, we're going to do something awesome. It's going to be on Easter. It's going to be great. It's going to be for the kids. But we need a few more hands. And so if you love it, you go, wait, there's my brother. And he's asking for help. How can I love that guy? Oh, I know. Serve with him. And you might find that it's the most wonderful thing you've ever discovered. And you discovered it because you were unified and loving. You were answering Jesus' prayer. There's another way we can do this. If you have a beef with someone. I, you know, just recently someone broke my heart because they, they left the church because they had a beef with somebody. And I'm just, I, you can't come to this church. You can't, I, I'm... I'm of the opinion that you can't come to any community, any community, and get along with absolutely everybody, unless that community was like real, real super small, like meaning you. Like that's it. Because, because here's the deal. I don't even perfectly get along with my wife. Do you get perfectly along with your siblings? Do you get perfectly along with your spouse? I don't. I don't agree with them on everything. They don't agree with me on everything. So if you gather a couple of people, and this person decided, you know what? I'm going to press the eject button. And I, get, I guess that's one way of handling it. But what do you think Jesus was trying to do in that person's life? Do you think Jesus was trying to work on something, an issue in their heart? And that he was using, and this is where unity really gets good. And he was using a difficult situation Jesus has brought difficult people to this church for your good. It's true. When, when you get rubbed up against a difficult person, you know what happens? Here's what happens. When you get rubbed up against a difficult person, they expose things about you that are already true. Did you know that difficult people don't produce, they only expose. When difficult people come to me, I, you know, if I had like a toothpaste uh, bottle, this is what I would do. I would imagine if I had, a, if I press my crest tooth, that's right, if I press my crest toothpaste bottle and I squeeze it, what do you think comes out? Why? Because that's what was in it. If I squeeze you, what comes out? And then the question is, why? Because that was what was in there. That's what was in there. You didn't, produce, you didn't make me do anything. 
You didn't produce anything in me. You just revealed. And so you and I, what do we do? We pray to Jesus. Jesus, make me more like Jesus. Jesus, make me more like Jesus. And Jesus goes, I got just the trick. Steve, come on over. And then patience has to be Love has to be given. Kindness has to be offered. You're not being kind to kind people. Atheists are like that. You're not being generous to generous people. Hindus are like that. But the Christian, the Christian can walk around saying, I have so been loved. I have been the bad guy. I have been the annoying person. I have been the evil person in our relationship for so long, and you've been nothing but loving to me. I can overflow that into others' lives. And when that happens, you know what we start to create? Unity. Unity that people can see and that no one can touch. You know what else starts to happen in our unity? We're stronger. Because remember, together we're better. If you have a weakness and if you have a sin and something that you fall back on when you, uh, you know, fall back on when you get stressed or whatever, and you veer off into sin, listen, community. Community is what you need. You need people who are with you, who'll love you, who'll walk with you. If not, we fall apart. Because unity makes us stronger. All right, so I'm almost done, right? So, but, but here's the deal. So it's like this. Say, for instance, say, for instance, this is you, right? And let's imagine I'm Satan, right? And you start attending our service. And you start going, man, this Christian thing, it's not so bad. I really like it. It's pretty cool. I'm, I'm learning something. I like the music, whatever it is. And I go, you know what? I'm Satan. This is easy. Come here. Temptation. I just break you apart. And then you go, you know what? I tried that church thing for like two weeks. It didn't work out. Or two months or two years or 20 years. And Satan goes, this is easy. I'll just ruin your life. I'll make the focus not Jesus. I'll make it the church. That's easy. But what happens if we're together? What happens if you and I are committed to one another in love? Man, you couldn't rip this thing apart if you tried. I mean, you really couldn't. I'd love to see the strongest person in here try to rip this apart. You, you could not rip. Why? There's strength. There's power in unity. And it's Jesus' prayer for us that we would be unified. Why? Because we're better together. So, before you leave here, I want you to think of ways that you could bring about unity in our congregation. So, if you're in the 12-step ministry, I want you to be thinking about how can you help support the men's ministry from the 12-step ministry? If you're in the men's ministry, I want you to think about how can you support the children's ministry? If you're in the women's ministry, I want you to ask yourself, how can you support the people in the uh, host ministry? I want you to start thinking about that, but not just as you as an individual, but you as, hey, how can I influence others 
so that I don't create my own silo. I don't create my own little world. And I don't create a sort of a, a church inside of a church, a clique inside of a church. We are together better. And my prayer is that God would give you wisdom to apply that even now. Think about who do you want to love? Who needs to be loved in this community? I don't know. Maybe God will tell you. Remember, we can love one another because Christ loved us. And because of that overflowing love in us, we can pour it out to others.